As founders, we know that startups fail, and we end up moving on. But what happens when a startup is doing okay, or even really well, but we want to move on anyways? On today's episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast, Will and I will discuss the reasons you may be compelled to quit your own startup, how to backfill the role you leave empty, and what life after quitting your startup might look like. We're back for another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan from Startups.com, joined by Will Schroeder, CEO of Startups.com. Today, we're going to talk about quitting your own company, stopping working at your own startup, which might sound strange, but Will, this is something that comes up more frequently than people might imagine, doesn't it? It does. I mean, now that I think about it, in the past maybe week to two weeks, I've probably had more conversations, and I talked to a lot of founders, I've probably had more conversations with founders talking about how do I quit my own startup than founders talking about how do I grow my own startup. <laughs> so it's, so uh, you know, probably a lot of folks listening to this, if, if they even decide to queue up this episode, they've at least had the thought in their mind. Right. Right, you know, they're like, well, if, if I did want to do something else, what would that look like? And the truth is, it's not a topic that comes up very much, like a lot of the things we cover on this on this episode on this podcast. And it's not something that you can go to a lot of friends and talk about because right. frankly, they've probably never, never done, done it. it. Yeah. But it can be done. It is it is not without challenges. And you know, we we'll certainly walk through those today. It is not without huge obstacles that you'll have to kind of overcome in order to even make an attempt at this because even if you attempt it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work. I mean, look, at the end of the day, yes, you can just quit <laughs> you your could, startup. You know, you, you could replace that ventured. any sentence in, in in startup. Like, you can try it, but there's no guarantee it's going to work. Like, that's, yeah, yes. Yeah, not, not the way folks are thinking. But, you know, in Ryan, I think you had mentioned that you were just talking to somebody not too recently about them wanting to quit their own startup. So, like, between yeah. the two of us, even... This even, Tuesday. It's coming up a lot with us. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, on Tuesday. Well, out of, out of a room of, of four founders... Uh, one of them was wrestling with this issue, right? So, yeah, it, it comes up a lot, right? And and for, what did it look like in your case? I, I want to give you some vignettes yeah. of what I just dealt with, but I, I'm curious to hear what it came how it came up in your sure. case. Sure, this one this one was I'd say one of the pretty standard reasons that we hear for this, and it was some combination of lack of challenge and 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 boredom, right? So he's about two and a half years into this business. It's a food service company that mostly does food service in other establishments. He's got a product that he puts into other restaurants, into other establishments, right? And so he figured out the formulation. He got all that going. He built an audience around it. You know, he had his own store that built the brand. And then he started to distribute this stuff. At the point at which it switched over to distribution, he was like, I'm not really innovating anymore. It's the same thing over and over again. I just have to go into another location, convince them to drop their current supplier, pick up mine, and then service that account. And he's like, it's not fun anymore. Right. And and so he's a little bored, a little, little less interested in the challenge. And so he's trying to figure out, can he step back from this business and just put somebody in? It's it's gotten to that operational state that he's kind of like, well, I don't really want to do this part of it anymore. Right, right, which is fair. Yeah. And, and I think as entrepreneurs, as founders, we often feel guilty when we have these feelings. Oh, he definitely like, has we're, that. We're, <laughs> right, right. We're, we're somehow 
cheating our startups, this thing that we built so, you know, spent so much time to build, all of a sudden we're, we're not doing right by this very startup. Yeah. As if our own feelings, our own emotions aren't even an option. And I think that's a dangerous place to be. Oh, yeah, it can be, right? I mean, at that point, when you become disinterested in the in the thing that you're doing, regardless of whether you feel guilty about it or not, there can be some some seriously mal outcomes from that. Yeah, and so in my case, I had two conversations that I can recall, both in the past week. So these are very top of mind. One comes to me from a founder who's 23 years old, smart founder, great business, uh, probably, you know, similar to what you're talking about. And he's been at it a few years. He likes the company. It's, it's not a problem of, of whether he likes the company. It's just not doing well enough mm. that he's like, I'm going to put all my chips on this. I'm 23 sure. years old. I got a lot of life ahead of me. I'm not sure that this is, this is what I want to push all my chips onto for the next 5, 10 plus years. Right. But I have enough of a business, and I think this is going to ring true for a lot of the folks listening. I have enough of a business that I also can't let it go. I, I'm not looking to shut the business down. The important part, I think, what we're talking about today, we're not talking about necessarily shutting businesses down. We're saying, how do I quit startups that are working just fine? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. How, how do I just leave the steering wheel, so to speak? Right. Again, so he's thinking, look, I've got this business. It's not big enough for what I want it to be. Uh, the total addressable market or the growth rate isn't big enough. But it's big enough that I can't just fold it either. You know, it's a viable business. What do I do? And I think that's really interesting because there's part of him that's saying, well, maybe I'm just giving up on the business. You know, yes. maybe maybe I'm just not really giving it its due. But well, there's another part of him that's 23 years saying, old, I'm guessing he hasn't put in seven years on this thing yet, has he? Well, but he might be, and I actually shouldn't say he might be. He is smart enough to know that there's a fairly high chance that it's not a time thing anymore. The business sometimes early on kind of plays its cards and you can see where the business yep. is going to go. And he can also say, look, for the amount of time and effort that it would take to maybe grow this a little bit, I'd rather transform that time and effort on something new where I can probably hopefully get a bigger sure. return on it. Sure, which, which makes sense. It's a tricky situation. So, so, yeah, I get it. It is. And, and, and there's a whole bunch of kind of warnings that I gave him about that line of thinking. One of them, for what it's worth, so I don't just lose sight of it, was, you know how hard it is to get a single business to ever be viable? Yeah. Thinking that you're going to quit and just go do another one and have the same outcome? Yeah. <laughs> it's, All right. it's not, it's not uh, very smart thinking. The bird in the hand, right? Two in the bush. Big time. The second one, the second entrepreneur, is 65. So on the very other end of the spectrum. Right. And he's saying, look, I'm looking at the next stage of my life uh, toward retirement, et cetera. My business is everything to me. It's all of my income. It's all of my retirement. But guess what? I want to go do something else. Right. And, and frankly, this is more of a startup to, to him. What do I do? Again, I'm not looking to fold the business. I'm not, I need the, the income, especially at this stage in my career. Uh, and I can't afford to be wrong about this decision. That's right. At 23, yep. you don't you want to be wrong. But you can. But you can afford to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, big difference. At 65, you're, you're sort of you know, out of your highest income earning years in most cases. So it's a tough decision. However, whether in this case the founder is 23 or 65, they're both dealing with roughly some of the same challenges of trying to figure out how to quit backfill, transform the business so that it makes sense for them. Yeah. And so I think 
today, we can start to walk through step-by-step some challenges that are going through our minds, some of our anxiety, but also, how do we actually do it? How do we actually put steps in place so we can walk away, hopefully, gracefully, and bring somebody else in if that's if that's even possible? And who does it affect and how do we deal with all this? Sure, yeah, lot lot to unpack there. Yeah, and so uh, let's talk about the reasons why people even start asking this question because I think it's worth perhaps bringing these reasons up to the folks that are listening sure, sure. to say, you might be thinking one of these things and guess what? So is everybody. Right, else. right, exactly. So what are some that come to mind for you? I'm curious as to, you know, as you're kind of thinking to your conversations, et cetera, some of the top reasons folks are are asking this when you sure, talk about them. Right. I, I think there's the, one of the, the major ones is sort of financial viability. And there's a, there's a couple of facets to this, right? So the financial viability of the business isn't necessarily that the, the business isn't making money. The business may be making money and the business may even be making enough money to pay the founder, but the founder may look at themselves and go, look, based on my market rate, I shouldn't be spending my time here. It's making some money, but it's not paying me as much as I should, right? Or maybe it's not paying them at all. What I often see is I was willing to take a huge pay cut from market rates, your point, to come here. I mean, it, was, it was my startup though. So <laughs> right. I was willing to go from making 150,000 to 70,000. And the delta in, the, in that comp was essentially looked at like an investment in right. my business. But it's been seven years. Right. <laughs> I'm long past the point where I can keep running at a fraction of my income and have that still make sense. Right. It just it no longer makes no longer makes good financial sense to do that, right? So that that tends to be one one of the the, the reasons that I see is is the the financial aspect of things. And I, I think that can come in a few flavors, you know, like like we talked about. We talked about one is I, I'm just making far less than than market. Yep. The other is I haven't gotten to market. Right. right? You know, my buddy who is 23 and let's say he's thinking, well, if I just came out of college, maybe I'd be normally making, say, $60,000, depending on your market, part of yep. the world, et cetera. But I'm making thirty, Right. And if I stay on this track over the next five years, if I go from thirty to forty, and I've burned up five prime income raising years of my life, yeah, I'll have myself at a point in the market where I am woefully behind yeah. where my peers are. And that catch-up uh, becomes almost impossible at that point. Man, it's tough. You know, it's not impossible, but it's it's tough. We, and you multiply terrifying. the probabilities together, it's close to zero, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> You're probably right about that. Yeah. But I, I think the the facet of not being financially viable is also something that's hard for us as founders to come to grips with, not because we don't understand money, not because we don't understand how our bills aren't getting paid. It's because it's a reflection of our optimism. Yes. You know, when we say this business isn't making me enough money, once we come to that conclusion, we're also saying it's not capable of making me more in the future. And how long do we run on that optimism before we have to come to that conclusion? Yeah. Yeah. A long time. And that can be, yeah, and that can be a, and it it shouldn't take us that long, right? I mean, like objectively, if you see that things aren't changing, you should be able to get to that conclusion. But uh, I think that going back to that optimism paradox, right? We always believe that we'll be able to make changes, that something can happen, that we can can enforce that. And sometimes that is true, right? You know, and I'm sure this is 
uh, what's going through, you know, the 23 year old's mind is if I just put in a little more time, can we turn the next corner on this thing? Can we create some lift? Is there some scalability here that will, will really change the way this looks? All right. But yeah, so I think that financial viability is a really important one. It's also one of the more tricky ones because it can then be a barrier to being able to step out. I know we're going to talk about that later, but I think it's important to understand that there are strong ties between the reason you want to quit and your ability to do so, right? So if the thing's not financially viable, there may not be an ability to replace yourself within the business uh, from a cash standpoint, which makes it really hard to then step away for that reason. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And another one that, that I often see I saw this firsthand, so I'm actually going to talk to it maybe, is I'm bored. Yeah. It happens. Look, man, you started this business. You were excited about the market challenge. You had a novel idea that you were working on. Doesn't mean you were going to be excited about it for the rest of your life. Yep. At some point, the, the business just becomes a business. Customers just become customers. They're not that new thing, that novel item that's right, getting right. you to the next level to, to validate what you built. Yep. And you're just bored. I'll give you the most insane example I can think of is actually something I went through myself. In 1999, I'm growing this agency business. And maybe it's 2000. It actually doesn't matter. And I remember that year, we made $23 million in net income. Yep. <laughs> so a, much money. Right? Good year. It, yeah, it was a good year. In 1999, it was a good year overall. And I was... 26 maybe i don't i can't even do the math probably 26 <laughs> and get this bored out of my mind yeah. could not wait to get out of there couldn't find enough ways to try to get out of there i was bored with being in the agency business i was bored running that business i mean idiotic is probably a better way to say it i mean it's insane now that i kind of look back on that 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 was even an emotion i felt but ryan i felt it yeah. so intense you can't fight those things you know, I would say, well, what if we were to expand this category from I'm bored to I don't want to, right? We did a podcast on this sure. a couple of yeah, weeks yeah, ago. We, we did a podcast yeah, a couple of weeks ago where you said like, there are, you know, as founders, we build businesses to allow us to do things we want to do. But as founders, we also build businesses that keep us from having to do things that we don't ever want to do again. And you and I went through a laundry list of things like not working with jerks, not answering to anybody else. And so I think that if you lump all those together, I think that when those things do enter the business, if you aren't able to stop them from entering the business, that categorically is, is a, one of the major reasons that people end up wanting to quit their own business, right? Maybe your client base changes. It turns out the only people that you are, are able to service as clients are lawyers. And you just don't yeah. get along with lawyers. I might be protesting a little bit right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, hope our corporate counsel is not listening. Yeah, right, right. Or at least not billing us for it if they are. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I think that there's a lot of things that can enter in that make you want to do something else because you simply don't want to be doing this, right? Whether it's boredom. Which is fair. I, angst. Let's just put whatever. it out It does happen. Yep. Right? When I look back on 26-year-old Will, I look at it as an entitled jerk that should have been so thankful that he had what he had, that he wasn't allowed to be bored. Right. Right. And so I, I got to say, like, I kind of do There's part of me that even looking back still feels like that's sort of true. Sure. That said, my point is, no matter how well things were going, sometimes people associate it with how well things are going, you can still get bored. Yeah. doesn't matter. And, and look, Boredom's people do. not related to outcomes, right? Boredom is related exactly. to the level of interest in what's happening. 
Exactly. And I think sometimes you'll see something else, like a life change. So my buddy that I was talking to that was 65, you know, life change. He's about to retire. He had a really interesting opportunity presented to him to go do the same job he's doing now at his company in Milan on the Mediterranean. And like he's thinking, dude, I'm 65 years old, right? Like I could probably be doing a cooler version of this job in Milan for the rest of my life than in cold ass Columbus, Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so a perfectly reasonable reason to be able to say, you know, I'm not feeling this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So life changes, other opportunities come along. Right. And and interestingly enough, all these things kind of play together. Right. So you may have this, you may have this ability to like have this opportunity comes along. I can now make a life change. When I start to compare Milan to Columbus, Ohio, boredom may or may not sneak in, right? <laughs> I'm not sure, say yeah, that's, absolutely. It's 100%, but like you may start to reevaluate some of the other criteria and say like, or maybe maybe the, the opportunity is also more money, right? So now it's like, I can make sure, more absolutely. in a location that's more exciting. So now I'm, I'm, now I'm looking at what I'm doing. Now I'm saying, ooh, well, comparatively speaking to some future that I'm a little uncertain about, but like at least what I can understand about it, I'm relatively bored. I'm not as financially viable. Um, and there's this other life change that I want to make, like moving somewhere, right? That sounds awesome. So th- these things yep. tend to tend to play together as you as you start to drive towards this point where y- you want to quit. Or sometimes you're just burnt out. That's you a know, huge it, one. Yeah. I hear a lot of folks say, and and I think this they they feel like this is some indictment against their own personality as a founder. Honestly, I'm just fried. I'm just looking for a, an easier way to spend my day. Yeah. Of course you are. Who wouldn't? <laughs> this is really right. hard. Yeah. Stuff is really hard. Of course you're burnt out. Like exactly. who wouldn't want to escape from that? Or at least take a, a long enough break from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. A furlough at least, right? At the minimum. At the very least. And so some people are just looking for, just give me a minute, man. And by a minute, I mean a year or two years, what have yeah. you. But just give me a break from this grind. And again, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to come off the ice as you know, the term that I use or come off the field for a bit and just take a break, get a breather, sure. and just assert, determine Refilled when and thing. if you're ready to play again. Yep, exactly. Yeah, um, it's a big one. So yeah. w- what else do you see? Uh, so I, I think there's, it's probably some combination of all of these things, right? But, you know, you can pull out some other specific ones that I've seen recently. This would fall into the life change category, probably, um, which is just illness or, or health yeah, concerns, either first yeah, or we, we talked about that hand. in another episode. We did, right? And, and yeah, so that, that, that's that would a be big an issue one, for us, right? It's a big one because you may face a health crisis at some point that is just the, the solution to which is mutually exclusive to running your company. Right. You may just not have the time and energy to do both or to do both well. And when it comes down to health, if that goes as far south as it can, you won't be running anything. Right. So there are points right. where you, you kind of get pushed to this. You may not want to quit uh, your own company, but you may need to. And, and I think that's a big one. I've, I've seen that happen a couple times in the last few years. Luckily, knocking on wood here, I don't see that one as often, but it has come up uh, once fairly recently. And so I think, you know, that and some other versions of you just, you kind of can't do it anymore, right? And I, I would say like oh. burnt out maybe falls into that same category, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Health-related stuff. And then uh, if we circle back to the the 23-year-old, right? He wasn't necessarily saying he was bored, I don't think. He was saying, I'm not sure there's enough juice in this to make the squeeze worthwhile, right? Is there enough upside? Is there a big enough future 
to make keeping at this worthwhile? I see this all the time. I see this particularly with, with funded startups where they say, we raise maybe our seed round or series A, and it doesn't even have to go that far, but just bear with me. We're not going to raise another round. That's kind of, you know, the investors, when they were excited about what it could be, we figured out what it is and what it is isn't as big as what we thought it would right, be. Right. Now that I know what it is, I'm not as <laughs> yep. excited about it. Yeah. Right? And, and it I'm happens. Not, yeah. And I'm not, you know, looking to, to double down on something where I don't see an exponential outcome. But with all of this, okay, so I, I think we've done a really good job of, of saying, look, if you're listening and one or all of these things applies to you, don't feel bad because everyone else is thinking the same damn thing. That's right. <laughs> so this Absolutely. is very common. But if you're listening, I'm guessing your next question is, awesome, now what? <laughs> what do I actually right. do about all this? Uh, yeah. And so the question being, you know, paraphrasing, if I quit, then what? Like, who runs this thing? And, and how do I actually, what is the, the, the steps that I take in order to quit my own startup? And I don't just mean communication. We're talking <laughs> about structurally. Yeah. How do I make this happen? Who because, do I hand because my Because I want to at least consider it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and so one of the things that I often present to folks, and certainly who I presented to a couple founders that I was talking to in the past week, is that we often think that as the founder slash CEO of the company, that we're the only person that can run the company. Now, now yep. we don't think that literally, like we don't think anybody else can do it, but we forget that at the end of the day, it's still a job. That's right. To us, it's more than that. Right to to us, it's it's probably all of our net worth. To us, it's probably every moment of our day and everything else like that. But to someone else, what we do is just a job, right? Which means it can to be the hired company. for and backfilled. It's a series of tasks and, and responsibilities that have to be completed, right? And, and so, from a company right. perspective, that's what it is. It is it is kind of that simple, right? Right, and so. When we talk about how to essentially backfill ourselves, we've got to consider a few things. The first, and I think it's super important, that we got the CEO job just by founding the company. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, we didn't have to interview for right. it. It wasn't a leg up for us. We right. spent $100 to incorporate the company, and lo and behold, we're yep. the CEO. Eight minutes later now, on GoDaddy, I was ready to go. <laughs> exactly. But for everyone else, that is an enviable position. Right. And, and I try to remind founders that there are lots of people that would kill for a CEO job. Now, right. while your job may not sound exciting to you, it's damned exciting to lots of other people, particularly right. most of the world who doesn't have a CEO title. That's correct. And so I, I ask folks, just remember, if you step back and you say, I have a CEO job to give somebody. That's a big deal to a lot of people. And I, and I think we tend to underplay that because we sort of got it for free. Free being in our entire lives, our entire net worth in every waking hour. But we <laughs> got it without the interview process. Uh, you know, We didn't have to go through 20 years of being promoted in order to get it. And I, I think that's something that's it's really overlooked. What do you think? No, it, it is for sure. I mean, when, when that opening occurs, right, there's a strong vacuum. Right. There's a lot of allure to being the CEO of a company and it can come from a lot of different places. Right. Like it may it may be, uh, you know, a a partner company. Um, I've seen this happen before where you essentially do some sort of a merger that then ends up replacing one of the founders with the with the other. And they take over operation of both companies, certainly, certainly hire from outside. Um, you can promote from within. 
which is is another one that happens quite frequently. Although, interestingly enough, that one doesn't seem to work out as well as often, which is a little counterintuitive. But there's something about I, just having watched it play out, having watched somebody transition from a VP or maybe like a, a COO, CMO, CTO, other position, trying to step into the CEO job under these circumstances where they're either replacing the CEO or he wants to leave. I'm trying to think of an example of this in startup land. Most of these were actually a little bit more, they were, they were further along, kind of more mature companies. So this was more of a corporate level transition. But those internal promotions didn't ever seem to turn out quite as well, right? As bringing somebody in from the outside. Sure. For a lot of reasons, right? One of the things that happens if you promote somebody internally is there's political wrangling, right? Well, I wanted that. Sure, job, absolutely. Right? We've worked together yeah, for 10 absolutely. years and I know what an idiot you are. So how the hell did you get that job? <laughs> <right>? <laughs> well, I think there's some considerations here. So if you're looking to backfill yourself and you're saying, well, let's use this scenario, which I think is not uncommon. Hey, I don't necessarily know the company has an exponential future to it. So it's going to be really hard to hire another CEO. Yep. It's going to be a hard to hire somebody who already has a CEO title. Yep. Because if I have a CEO title, I'm comparing this to my other CEO jobs. Right. And my if CEO salary. If I don't salary. have a CEO title. Yes. If I don't have a CEO title, if I have a VP, EVP, director level title at yep. another company, this is likely the only CEO job I am going to get offered in a very long time, if maybe right. ever. Ever, right. So These opportunities aren't so, just falling off trees. That's exactly it, man. So often what I'll say is what you're looking for is the next up and comer, and this is their shot. But don't underplay yep. the fact that exactly bringing it. somebody in as a CEO could be a huge win for them. Going back to my agency days, and even after that, after some of the startups that I did, I often uh, worked to, to bring folks in to, to replace me because I was actually <laughs> dealing with all of those, those issues we talked about. Yep, yep. And in each case, they weren't a CEO pr previously. In each case, they were coming from a very different background and or uh, different uh, title. And they looked, what I thought was this old tired job as the greatest opportunity they ever had. Sure. Because again, and sometimes, sometimes it is, right? For them, it might be. Um, and it might be for different reasons too, right? Sometimes, you know, there's that fresh legs component. You may have, if you're leaving because you're burnt out, for example, bringing somebody else in might create different opportunities. It may be a very different job for that person than it was for you. Um, Couldn't agree and more. so, yeah. And so that just, it depends. It, it goes back to that, you know, we said earlier, which is that this does map back to the reasons why you want out as to what the opportunities and options you have for replacing yourself, right? If the company's not making enough money to pay you, the idea that you're going to find a rock star replacement for yourself, not impossible, but certainly less likely, right? If it's a boredom thing, then the person that you're looking for is also a different individual. You're looking for somebody who's more operationally focused, who's, who's you know, satisfied with fine-tuning something that's already working as opposed to going out, tearing up uh, new space and trying to, to make new things happen. Right. So a lot of this also, does map back to where it came from. They also probably don't own part of a company. 
You know, people, yeah. people really take this for granted. Again, for the same reasons we founded it, we got 100% of the equity for free, so to speak. Yep. And we've kind of taken equity for granted. I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean in a way where we've gotten used to having it. But the folks that we may be replacing ourselves with don't have that. They don't right. have a way to get involved in an existing company, which heavily de-risks that step and be able to take an ownership stake in the company. And I think right. the moment you give people a meaningful ownership stake in the company, it's a very different opportunity. Oh, for and, sure. And I think it, it ties them to the company in so many different ways, right? And, you know, if, if, and this is something that's pretty interesting too about having somebody who's in that non CEO role. If they're in a CEO role and they're in a CEO salary, depending on how long they've been there, that may be their plan. They may already have a financial trajectory that allows them the freedom that they want. Whereas somebody coming in who's, who's not at that level, who doesn't have equity anywhere else, looks at that and says, my destiny is now in my own hands in a very different way. I can grow this company. I can grow, you know, I have a salary, but I can grow a, an asymmetric amount of value in this thing because I now own a meaningful portion of the company. And that will completely change how they feel about what they're doing. You said something earlier, and I think we both touched on this, also a fresh set of legs, yes. right? So when we're getting to the point where we're burnt out, we need to make a life change, et cetera, the last thing on our mind is coming in guns blazing to try to grow this thing. <laughs> yeah. And that's dangerous. It's unhealthy for the organization. It's certainly unhealthy for us. And it's unhealthy for any future prospects of growing anything. This new person comes on. They, they're a CEO for the first time. They're a part owner for the first time. This is the greatest opportunity they've ever had. Yeah. They're going to go guns blazing, which is exactly what you're trying to backfill. Now. All of this is all well and good, but it still leaves the next question, which is, I still actually need to get paid. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily <laughs> right. want to work here, but I still need to get paid. Ergo, I can't afford to quit my own startup. So I think it's probably worth digging into that because there's some art and science to kind of how you approach that part of the problem too. Does that sure. make sense? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and this will this will definitely tap into something we've talked about very recently, um, which is can I go back to being an employee? Sure, absolutely. And so let's just set, let's set the stage. Going back to the two examples I was using, the two vignettes, a twenty three year old, sixty five year old, both were in the same position. They said all the reasons that we listed, uh, they applied at different levels. But hey, I'd like to get out of this thing but I don't know that I can find someone to backfill me because they weren't thinking about the CEO, the equity, and all the different components that, that would be attractive for somebody else. And even if I did, I don't know how I'd pay them because I'm just making this up. Let's say that I'm pulling down $100,000 a year of income from this company. It's yep. not like I've got an extra $100,000 that I don't know what to do with. And by the right. way, I pay my bills with that $100,000. So yep. how do I make that work? And so... Here's how it gets done. I've seen it done numerous times. Um, let's say you've only got $100,000 to play with. And so again, we're not going to create monopoly money to pay people. Sure. You've got a couple options. One, the first thing you do, and Ryan, I think you're heading toward this, as you're looking to kind of uh, go on and figure out what you're going to do next, is figure out how you're going to get paid next. Now, people don't do this. Uh, what they say is, I want to quit and I want my full salary. And okay, that's just not going to happen. Right. <laughs> Let's just be clear. You only get to make the leap, 
assuming that you need the cash, if you first find a new way to make more money, which is antithetical to a lot of founders because they're right. like, no, this is the way I make my money. I want to go work on something new where I'm not going to get paid, but I can still draw a salary while I go work on this other thing. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Unless you live in Denmark. And then it does. What? But yeah, yeah. In Denmark, Why Denmark? De because in Denmark, if you leave your job, you have up to a year at I think it's 70% of your current salary to find a new job. That's amazing. That's it a real amazing. thing. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. That might the, be one of the reasons they're the happiest country in the world. Oh, wow. Or, or the most employed, apparently. Because yes. you sort of never <laughs> go unemployed. That's exactly Jeez, Well, if you're in Denmark, hit pause right now while we explain right. how the entire rest of the world has to solve this. Yeah, you can problem. fast forward through the next three or four minutes here. Yeah, right. So, uh, but here's how it does work, to be fair. Typically, what's, what founders will do is they'll either find some other consulting type gig to try to supplement a little income. And again, you have to be thinking in terms of how do I start making more money elsewhere? Yep, Not yep. again, how do I magically somehow get paid without doing the very work that was, uh, that was incumbent on the job to begin with? Sure. But what you can also do is if you're promoting somebody within the company, you can start to hand over some of the responsibilities piecemeal and by, by way of that, some of the comp so that uh, let's say you're taking $100,000. Year one, they, they take $10,000 of your comp. In year two, they take $20,000. Year three, they take $50,000. So as you're kind of ramping down, they're ramping up. It doesn't always have to be all or one. And that mainly works when you already have folks that are on the payroll that can start to kind of juggle the additional responsibility while you take some of it off your, off your plate. Yep. Another way to do it, which is very common, is the person that's coming on takes a portion of their comp in stock. So you're using some of your stock as a replacement for cash, like startups do all the time. Yep. Uh, and that can work as well. Yet another way that you do it is you actually go get another job. That's right. By the way, it happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my buddy who is 65, he was planning on getting another job. He had a perfectly functioning business, by the way. In his case, it wasn't a matter of the business not doing well. He just wanted to go do something else. He specifically wanted to go do another job that actually paid him more than he was making now. And he was just trying to figure out how to functionally backfill the organization so he could quit his job and go right, do that. Right, right. So that's not unusual. Yeah. And one other thing I want to point out here, as we talk about backfill and we talk about you know how to, how to replace ourselves and how to cover the cost of that, that it isn't always a binary replacement, right? It's not, I'm leaving and then Bob is going to take my job or I'm leaving and Carol's going to take my job. Sometimes this gets defrayed out across the organization, right? Great point. And, and over time, you can kind of, you know, hand off certain responsibilities to other people who are either as or more capable or can become capable enough to do the job. Um, and I, you could make a case that, you know, this might be harder, easier, depending on the stage of the company. And, and there probably is something to that. But I could see this playing out at a large company or a small company in different ways. What, what I love about that is often the CEO wears a handful of hats. Yep. And each of those hats, you know, they, they have a particular affinity for, or in some cases, they're, they're the best at, etc. And if you try to find one person to wear all of those hats, it's usually very difficult because we kind of organically got to that role. Yeah. But you grew we into the our... weirdest looking hat ever. That's what happened, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> Only like, fits my head. Yeah, I'll, I'll take my role, for example. 
uh, you know, as you know, I've, I've got a lot of different facets to my role. I'm our CFO. I do product development. I do a ton of writing. I'm not going to find somebody that can do all of the things that I do. Right. But I can find lots of people that do some of the things that I do. Yep. And in fact, only handing off each of those things individually may make this a hundred times easier because there's so many cool ways I can do this. I can do it over time. I can say, look, the the first thing I'm going to do, the first role I'm going to try to to pick off is CFO. I'm going to continue to do the other things that I'm doing. And this is part of a a retirement plan, so to speak. And I'm going to hand that off first. Now I at least have two thirds of the amount of work that I needed to do before. Right. Incidentally, the other thing that might happen might just take some pressure off me for a while. Yeah. Right, which solves some of those other problems, which is... It may huh. eliminate the need to quit in the first place. Exactly. The other thing would be, okay, I'm going to take three of my roles and I'm going to hand them off to other people, give them some additional equity or profit sharing or, or, or even cash comp in order to, to uh, support that. And I may find that once I've done that, the remaining role of a CEO is like a COO. It's, not, it's like a VP of something. It's not even yep. that significant of a role. But when you packed all those pieces together, it was a really complicated, expensive role. But when I decouple it, and I start to look at all of the pieces individually, and maybe I'm really good at, say, business development, which is often the case for, for a CEO. Yeah, and yeah. maybe that's all I'm left with, right? Maybe just day-to-day right. administration, etc. Just once I got that off my, my shoulders, I have 20% of the work. And guess what? Maybe now I'm hiring a, a head of, of business development to backfill me. Maybe, the, again, the right. role I'm looking for is completely different at that point. Yep. I think that's And then the criteria change, the economics change completely, um, and even the necessity to completely back out might change. Uh, so there, there's definitely value in, in looking at that. Because in the same way that you said earlier, when we found the company, we take for granted, not in, not in a negative way, we take for granted all that equity is ours. As that CEO job founder job grows over time, we take for granted that all of that stuff belongs inside that role. Um, to your point, if we start to unpack that, what we're probably looking at is the aggregate of several different roles bastardized into one Franken role, right? right. And so I think unpacking that and really being clear on, on where you need to be focused and how that aligns with the objectives of the company may completely change the, the notion of how this discussion plays out. Also easier to find your replacement. The other thing that I've Hell seen, yeah. uh, th- th- that I've done myself, and you actually do see this in public companies and in other strategies, is I basically go into a chairman role, which yep. is is often kind of like a CEO in waiting, or sometimes it's it's how CEOs get fired. But <laughs> hospice w- for CEOs, hospice for CEOs. But a chairman role says, "Hey, I'm still around if you need me, but let's be clear, I'm trying to get out of this thing." Right? Yeah, and so yeah, whenever yeah. you see a CEO move on to a chairman role, that's usually part of a transition strategy into the, I'm not going to be here anymore. But that can also be used to great effect, which is to say, if shit hits the fan, I'm still around. <laughs> I'll still yeah. jump back in. Yeah. Uh, and it, it may turn out that, let's say I've got four roles that, that I'm part of as the CEO. I hand off three of them. And the fourth one, which could be something like sales, uh, vision, future, strategy, whatever, I hire a CEO and she's specific to just that component. But a year goes by and just things aren't quite working out well for her. I'm still chairman. I'm going to kind of roll back in if I have to. 
in order to kind of backfill that role or at least help right. out, et cetera, showing that I'm still around somewhat. Like I haven't totally left the farm. Yeah, man, that makes tons of sense. And, you know, we've we've gone over, you know, how we get to this point, uh, what, what causes to have these feelings, what are the practical considerations in terms of handling this? Is there anything we haven't covered off on? Are there any other lingering concerns that we should throw out there for people? Yeah, I'm just going to put it this way. No matter how much we break this down, Ryan, <laughs> you're still going to be super freaked out about it, right? Yeah. That's a given. There, there's, there's no version I've ever right, seen right. where anybody has been like, I just decided to quit my company. It was all smooth sailing. No, it's, it's going to be a complete nightmare. <laughs> yeah. But look, at the end of the day, people quit their startups all the time. But what they do is they develop a plan for how they want to quit their startup. They execute it like any other plan that they have, and they come to a conclusion where they're ready to move on to the next thing. That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at Startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer, from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later.